Hey, welcome to another episode of the Tabletop Trio podcast. I'm Bob. I'm Joe. I'm Bronson. And this week we have a great, great episode. Bronson talks all about making some dice. Definitely an involved process from start to finish. Epoxy casting where safety and material quality is a huge concern. Definitely. Uh, we also got some uh, some new tech news and all that sort of thing with Joe. Yep, we had some new stuff, fun stuff, all good stuff. And uh, talked a bit of Star Wars there at the end, teaching of- Joe all about everything Star Wars-wise. I still don't know what names are. Bit of Magic the Gathering tied in there. Bit of... Uh, Loot box and and uh, card box drama with new pricing options that came out from Wizards. All the fun stuff. It's all coming up here on the Tabletop Trio podcast. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Tabletop Trio podcast. I'm Bob. I'm Joe. I'm Bronson. And uh, got a great show for you guys yet again. Another mm. another fun one. No guests today, but that's okay. It's just us. Just us. And we're going to have some fun here tonight. We got uh, some cool show and tell stuff. Bronson made some things. Mm-hmm. I did make some things. Um, Joe's got a whole lot of new tech news and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I bought a thing. Oh. I know, it's a surprise. Uh, I, yeah, true. Mm. Shocker to... Maybe one person who's never seen the show before, and that's it. <laughs> so last time we did a show, prior to Cast Iron Kyle being here, yeah. this got bumped and we didn't talk about it. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So I kickstarted this thing a real, real long time ago. It is for my FDM 3D printer, which is um, the printers that kind of just melt plastic and, and go around in circles, move up, and then repeat. and the filament reel. You know, do that six to seven thousand times and you have a print um you can only do that usually with one sometimes two colors um and i'm lazy and i don't paint things so to get one of the really fancy ones that could do like seven different colors costs like four thousand dollars and i'm just not about that life so someone kickstarted this these this engineering team said like we could do it and we could do it for like $300. And I was like, you know what? You, sir, have my money. So I bought this. This is the main component of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they included a little tiny test print uh, of, I believe that's seven colors. Um, So that is printed. That's really good. Yeah. So that is printed uh, live. Uh, We didn't, they didn't paint that. They didn't, you know, that, that is several different plastics uh, oh, printed wow. at the same time. So, um, yeah, we're going to be having some fun printing the same things that I've been wanting to print, but now basically also not have to paint them. So really excited for that. Keep out uh, on the future. So it'll be be a good time. A couple people in uh, chat, 4 a.m. watch says, hi, Bob on air. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pearl Warren says, you're lazy? No, I know it's it's a surprise to everyone. <laughs> that is that is really cool though. I love the um, just like the little details where it's like it clearly has to change colors. Yeah, yeah. and it's not just one layer, one layer, one layer. Switch colors, another layer. Yeah, it's like ingrained into it. That looks so cool. So, Seamless. 
part of the whole reason why this was um, made not so cheaply, but um, inexpensively. Yeah, it they actually three D printed a lot of the components that it was used to be built. So which infinite three D printing, is which is saying. great because you could always update <laughs> itself. You but, could always just like, but it's all one color. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not. They well, actually three D print their own logo. Oh, look at that! <laughs> I stand corrected. It is not all one color. Let's let's hold that up for the. Uh, there you go. The, the inside part where the uh, where the oh, filaments come in. Oh, it's heavier hefty. than I thought it would. There's be. a lot Damn. of metal in there. So that little logo over there is actually they three D print their own logo. Um, oh, that's is, cool. Yeah, kind of neat. Um, so I haven't messed with this yet. It is going to be a learning curve. Um, oh, I I would download a 3D printer. <laughs> you you damn right. Half of my 3D printer has spare parts in a bin that it used to make itself. I love the old, you wouldn't download a car. <laughs> it's funny because they're, for most FDM printers, are several recommended upgrades for the printer that you print when you get the printer. Mm-hmm. Like stabilizing clips and like yeah. real holders and things like that. So, I mean, technically, yeah, you're downloading a 3D printer yeah. or at least parts of it. There's actually, I forget what company it was. They were like, we're going to give you the metal part of the 3D printer, but you're going to need either a library or a friend who has a 3D printer to print all of the other plastic components. We don't ship them to you. Hmm. And that was like, it was like 130 bucks for uh, like a pretty decently sized 3d printer you just some assembly required and you know models but one some thing assembly learned, and printing required yeah <laughs> one thing i learned with like 3d printers and cnc routers is um depending on how you have the rails and motors set up mm -hmm. technically you can make them as large as a form factor as you want so when i was i haven't set this up yet like i mentioned before that i got a, a cnc router and i've just been so obsessed with other hobbies, busy at work, and then, like, fell back into playing Apex. I haven't really gotten a chance to mess with it. But what I did do was watch the two 25-minute setup videos. And when you set this thing up, you're really setting the outside boundary box up, which mm -hmm. can be extended with rail, rail extension kits. Mm -hmm. And then the motor slides down on one axis, and then on the cradle slides the other direction on the other axis. So for as far as you can extend it, you can just have it keep going down additional rails. And the only thing that stops it is when it touches a limit switch on the far end. Mm -hmm. So technically you can just homebrew a massive CNC router and use the same exact spindle. The, the quality upgrade comes from like the spindle and what bits you use and how mm -hmm. the programming works and stuff like that. So kind of cool to think about, like I got this little, it's uh, eight and a half by 11. So like paper sized original bed mm -hmm. that I can then double in one direction to make it decently big. But they sell rail extension kits lar large enough that I can make, like, kitchen cabinets. Wow. And do the routing on that. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. See, I, I just, that's why I won't get one. Because I know, like, we have met my job and everything. And if you know a 3D printer, you know a CNC, the, the instructions are almost exactly the same. Yeah, the FDM and um, the CNC routers are, like, basically the same tech. Yeah. So I was like, if I get one, I would get a small one. And then I'd be like, yeah, but bigger. Uh, but bigger. But, but bigger, bigger, yeah. And then I'd be like, you know what? I'm a CNC a fucking table. We're doing it. And it's literally just <laughs> rail extension kits. Like they're not expensive and the setup is easy. All you do is 
auto limit it. You press it until it seeks and hits the limit switch and tells it to yeah. stop. And that's how it gets its range. Mm-hmm. And then once it's there, you micro calibrate it to make sure it's got all its measurements correct. Oh, wow. Yep. I, I've always wanted to get into 3D printing and all that kind of stuff. Like seeing the stuff that you guys have made. Like I know Bronson, you've printed out my minis before and like all that kind of stuff for D and D. Like after a significant delay, yes. <laughs> well, like <laughs> just just being able to see that and you know holding something that you literally printed out of you pulled that out of plastic, basically nothing. Yeah, yeah. it's like, like being a sculptor except your tools are somebody's really complicated programming. Yeah, I, it's <laughs> it's just it's so cool to see that, and I've always wanted to get into it. I just don't a don't even know where to start, and b probably don't have the space for it right now. Like you'd be surprised. Okay, so that, uh, that right behind you, that is the size of a 3d printer. The, the blue one is the printer. Mm-hmm. The yellow one is the wash and cure station. You could literally stick that on a shelf somewhere and just send it. Like that's, all, that is literally all you need. And then like, you don't even need the wash and cure station. You could also just use like a tub full of isopropyl rubbing alcohol mm-hmm. or isopropyl alcohol, not rubbing alcohol. And um, sunlight mm-hmm. that just does a better job of it. But like I have always just stuck my prints in the windows and granted that's a better option. Cause sometimes I get uncured resin that I then later have to clean off. But <laughs> if you don't want to buy that, that's technically optional. Um, yeah, that is absolutely optional. I just saw a kick, not a Kickstarter. It's popping up on my Facebook because I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> it's the world's smallest, at least as far as I know, um, it's claimed to be the world's smallest resin 3D printer, and I think it's about this big. Jeez. And and that's that's it. It could print basically a D and D mini. That's I think that's its job. It's very 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 small. And I was like, that's adorably small. And they were like, it fits in this tiny pouch. And I'm like, do you think I'm just carrying that around? I would carry it around. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And then uh, they were like, bottle of resin. Yeah, it comes <laughs> with its own little washing cure station. I was like, fucking stop it! And it's like this little <laughs> tiny thing with like three LEDs on it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't need it. <laughs> meanwhile, the build plate on my resin 3D printer is the size of this tablet. Yeah. So it's like, again, like 3D printing your printer would be fucking hilarious. You just like, whoop! There's the smaller one. Yeah. That's the baby. Yeah, I need the big one. I don't need the little one. But there is um <laughs> there is um really so many ways you can get into it now. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do FDM printing? There's like a million different ways you can go. Um and then again, there's a million different sizes. Like the one I have in the basement um is a big boy. I could print 18 and a half inches by 18 and a half by 18 and a half. I could just make a, a cube. That is almost two feet. Um, mm-hmm. Make for a big no, companion cube. I was going to make uh, a giant D20, but I looked at the printing time, and it is three weeks. Ooh, fuck. Of just on. <laughs> just <laughs> Day 14, print failed. <laughs> Must start over. Day 15, leave suicide note. <laughs> D20 has been rapidly spaghettified. <laughs> I've had it happen where I've been like, 12 hours into a print and then I go to sleep and then I wake up and the print was supposed to like finish in the morning and I go downstairs and I hear and I look over and this is common. A piece of filament gets stuck somewhere. Either the, the, the print curls because of uh, rapid cooling or something happens and then the print head hits it 
And when the print head hits it, it unsticks from the table. And now it is freeform. And your heater now glued to it. So you just drag it back and forth for several hours. So then when you wake up, there is a pile of goop, some of the print, and the print head going, I'm sorry. Like a like an angry I can't stop. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And like they've gotten better. Some of them have uh the new AnyCubic is honestly what I would recommend if you're gonna start 3D printing, just just get that one. Mm. Uh they kickstarted their even though they didn't need to, they kickstarted it. Or not any cubic. Um Who's the company that makes batteries? Like the backup battery. Duracell? Nope. Phillips? No. It's a it's a it's a big one that started. They make like the lithium ion like chargers and like the wall mounts and like the wall me. warts. I can't remember their name, but they're huge. They make a lot of battery stuff. They went into the 3D world and it was like, knock knock, we're gonna fucking change everything and pull your asses forward. So it has like a camera on it that like if it starts failing, it'll actually just turn it off. Oh wow! And you could alert it, like it, you could watch it in like, like yeah, there are ways to do that. You could set up your three D printer and and you could really go like as far as you want to like have a webcam and this and that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's kind of a pain in the ass. And like you said, a lot of people don't have that kind of like. I want to learn everything about three D printers. Um, so this is really like, here you go. Put in your model. Press the button. It's going to do its thing and start printing. It's going to watch it, and it's going to let you know if something goes wrong. And it's going to stop itself before you have a big goop mess. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that one's not big either. So that's FDM. Resin, that's, well, that side. That one is relatively the normal size. It's a little bit smaller. Um, but that's how you, if you're doing D&D stuff, I recommend resin. Um, if you're making, like I do a lot of... Um, uh, useless but useful prints. Like I have uh, uh, my Guitar Hero controllers. They obviously don't fit real guitar mounts. So I 3D printed some and then I screwed them to a wall and now they have their own like mounting stuff. I would have never been able to find that. That's not an Amazon thing. Yeah. So, you know, they have they have their uses. I feel like that's the kind of stuff that I would be 3D printing. Like thing uh Thingverse. Yeah, Thingverse. It, that would be like my most viewed website. Yeah. Just because I mean, cuz the one day I was looking uh, you'd printed out a uh, a clip for my laptop charger. Mm-hmm. That'll, you know, store the cable and all that. And I was just looking through that website and I'm like I don't need any of this, but god, do I want this? <laughs> I know every time I'm on there I'm like If you look, I have, like, a thing of, like, things that I need to print, and then under that library, there's a thing that's, like, things I shouldn't print, and then under that, there's another one that's, like, things I want to print. So, firmly placed in the category of things I shouldn't print and things I want to print, my favorite thing you've ever printed is the Fucktopus. The Fucktopus (laughs) is pretty great. I got yelled at uh, by my HR lady for bringing that to work. So... The fucktopus <laughs> is an octopus, but at the end of each tentacle is a middle finger. <laughs> it's stupid shit like that that I would want to print. Just because I'm like, I, I made not? it. I, I have it. Yep. the model, and I printed one, but it was small, so I'm going to print a bigger one. 
It's, one on the 18 by 18. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> it's the Dickosaurus Rex. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God. It's exactly what you think it is. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a penis with T-Rex legs. Somebody got in trouble in Goblin Dice Horde acquisitions for selling those. Uh, and then we had, like, a talk with our admin staff, and we were like, hey, do we actually give a shit about this? And the whole admin staff was like, no. So then we just started allowing it. So, so <laughs> people were selling 3D printed minis on for the one inch by one inch grid of the mm. Dickosaurus Rex. I love that. Yeah. I, I really hope my girlfriend's not watching right now because like <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm just like, I kind of want to look into 3D printers right Bob, now. <laughs> I have a non-working 3D printer in my rolling cart right now because the screen's dead and needs to be replaced. The screen replacement is $23. If you would like me to get it back working, please let me know. Hmm. I also have my old one in my basement. I'm not going to use again. That one is functional. <laughs> I, I might have to let you. I might have to let you know on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, nah. resin safety. Before you get into that, for for everybody, this pertains to our next discussion as well. If you are going to use either UV sensitive SLA printing resin mm. or epoxy casting resin, make damn sure you are not allergic to it. There mm. are some horror stories online of people getting 3D printer resin on their hands and then needing to go to the hospital for either anaphylactic shock or poisoning. Holy crap. Yes. Yeah. You should always wear gloves. Everybody tells you to wear a respirator. I have literally never worn a respirator. Just make sure you're not doing it in a like completely closed off room. Like don't yeah. do it in a bathroom with the fan off. Yeah. Or like a closet or like a like a broom closet. Don't don't do it there either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, somewhere open air. Like I do it. Next to two open windows, fan on, main door open to the office. There's tons of ventilation. I keep, it does uh, smell also. Keep in mind, Bob, it does so smell. So you don't have to make it smell? Turns out air purifiers cut all of the smell out. Ah. They actually make ones that are about yay big that you put inside the printer. Oh. Um, and it'll it'll purify inside the printer so that when you lift the lid, it doesn't smell like anything. But... uh. Right behind the camera, I actually have a IKEA like HEPA purifier thingy. Um, usually, when I print, I print on that side, and I just turn the the filter up higher, and I don't smell anything in the house. Wow. In the chat, Purple Prince says Matrushka 3D printer. When we were talking about printing printers, <laughs> but then we, then you would have to print ever smaller printers, and then you're limited by the build bed size. Hmm. I think realistically, you can probably get the housing for like. You do like one in the 1818 and make like a 6K like mine. And then the 6K could probably make like one of those pocket ones. And that's probably about it. Yeah. Uh, and then Phil says, I still want to paint that. The Fucktopus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me yeah. too. It was the Fucktopus. What do you want? Like human hands, but like the rest is just a regular octopus. Uh, like where are you going with that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's funnier than a bunch of like tentacles with just a middle finger at the bottom? Like speaking of, I can't wait for those fingers to come. I bought middle fingers that go on your middle fingers that have the whole hand and another middle finger. So I could have five more middle fingers. Why can't you just print that? Why? I probably could have, but they were like $4. And they were squishy. And I prefer the squish over like perfectly fitting it on my fingertips. All right. But we can silicone cast them. Yeah, but like, you know, then Wait. that's like a whole thing. Silicone. <laughs> What if you silicone cast them, but somehow like scale it down? 
So it's like a scale model of your hand on your fingers. So that would be a little involved. So you'd have to, what you'd, what you'd do is you'd take <laughs> your middle like, finger. Yes. No, I have an pack idea. Pack it down in like molding sand, mm-hmm. right? And then you'd have to get your hand out without disturbing it. And then you pour the silicone in that. Mm-hmm. And that makes like the silicone insert. Or you could just like put a glove in your hand, like submerge it in silicone, but then you have to hold it there for like four hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not ideal. Or we do that, but then eight times. Then we go to Jenkinson's. We go to the octopus. We have him grab all eight of the middle finger hands and then recreate the live octopus. And then and we then become arrested. Instagram famous and possibly arrested. Definitely arrested. It, maybe they'll be in on it. It's Jenks. You never know. <laughs> That's a good that, point. That is a very valid point. Jenks. Totally a real aquarium. <laughs> That's their slogan. Yeah. We it's have not, penguins. Please don't sue us. Yeah. Jenks is a very real establishment with a very real legal team. Yep. Um, they got that arcade money. <laughs> so anyway, 3D printing, hella fun. Um, but not the only type of creation that we do at Tabletop Trio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, as I just mentioned, resin casting. And uh, I did bring a set with me today. I teased it a little bit on Instagram ahead of time. And I would like to show you all the set. Yes. Would you like to cut over the, the yeah. other camera? Let's do it. All right. So. This is the set that I pulled today. It is. A complete failure. <laughs> so, um, the sh- the I mean, I'm seeing shapes. The it's, general shape yeah, it's is not correct. a complete failure. It's a complete failure. Well, it's not. It's it's mostly intact. Complete failure would be like uh, Ed from like, uh, uh, what's the fucking show? Full Metal Alchemist. That's a complete failure. <laughs> All right. So, I can't get this to the point where it's going to focus in small, but you can kind of see it back there here. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, it's got my logo on the front. This is the D2. So here's the problem. I had another project I'm working on in the pressure pot, and I didn't have room for these in them. Uh, The process to make dice is so involved and requires so much equipment that even skipping or skimping on one tiny step is enough to, like, completely ruin the dice. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it to show up in the camera, but within these dice, there are surface bubbles. And that's a problem because it screws up the numbering. It'll screw up the one face. So these aren't terrible, but here, I'll, I'll pass this D20 down so the guys can see. Look at the 13 face. I think it's sticking up right there. You can see that the 13, like the numbers failed because of some of the bubbles. And uh, it just what looks I, like the three has a nipple. <laughs> I already thought threes look like boobs, and now you have. there's a nipple on the three. Jesus We're going to Instagram Joe. that later. Uh, we'll, we'll have it on there. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> but um, you can't unsay it once you once it's there. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, the issue being that when you mix up this epoxy resin, it gets uh, micro bubbles in it, and in order to solve the micro bubble problem, you either have to waste a lot of time degassing the resin, which is uh, usually not incredibly effective, and you can only do it in small portions, or you have to put the casted resin in a pressure pot. And what that does is it just compresses the bubbles so they become microscopic, right? Mm-hmm. So the process involved in making these, uh, I've done a lot of trial and error, emphasis on the error um, to kind of get it to a point where I can, 
I can put out a usable set, but the molds I have aren't perfect yet. So I'm currently working on the new set of masters. I believe I mentioned that a little bit before, mm-hmm. but um, there were some issues with the mold on this set that caused the 15 face to get a little bit janky. Uh, there are some issues on uh, the, the, the surface finish. For some reason, I got some cure inhibition on the silicone, so it did not cure as clean as I wanted it to, and there are some faces that need like a lot of post-polishing, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. So what the ideal solution is you get a perfect set of masters and then you you cast them and then every time you pull a set it's an exact mimic of the perfect set of masters. Mm. Um the first time I made a set everything went very smoothly which was very strange. I I <laughs> printed and polished my own masters and I cast them and they were great but they're too small. So I gave uh, Joe a set, I mm-hmm. gave Elena a set and um they are they're decent sets of dice. They're just smaller than I would like. I wanted to make some some chunkier dice, give you like a better feel when you're using them, when you're rolling them. So I decided to start the process over. And let me tell you, all that error, that's where that happened. Um, <laughs> right from the start. So the first thing you do is you go into a, uh, a dice gen program and you, you have it set up the shapes for you. Mm-hmm. And then you can set all the parameters, how deep the numbers are, how, like what the font size is, and it'll automatically mate the numbers up to the faces. Oh, wow. So yeah, somebody, uh, like uploaded the program for that. It's free to use. Uh, you can download custom fonts into it. It's really cool. I think so, I made a Sega Genesis one. You I did. put the Genesis on the 20. I thought it was a Dreamcast. Uh, and then I did a Dreamcast spiral. Yeah. And then I was like, I could never actually sell these because I will get cease and desisted so hard. <laughs> um, but I set up the masters in, in the font that I wanted. And I actually printed a set, completely polished them, and then realized that the single digit faces were off center. Mm. So I, I started the process over and you're going to hear a lot of like, I restarted in this story because I literally will not sell these unless I think they're perfect because I want to absolutely sell something that I can stand behind hundred mm-hmm. percent. Uh, I'm not there yet and I'm not going to sell anybody a set of these until I'm there. So I restarted, got the new font and then started trying to print again only to start getting crazy problems with the printer. Mm. So um, I started getting bubbles in the prints. When you make solid prints, like um, like a D&D mini or something like that, with really not a strong emphasis on a geometric pattern, it doesn't really matter if you get a little internal bubble. Like if I, I've printed clear minis and had them full of bubbles, mm-hmm. it doesn't really make a difference unless it breaches the surges, surface because you're not polishing them down. Mm-hmm. Um, these, every single die I pulled off the print bed had just a slew of bubbles all throughout it. And uh, unfortunately, they all impacted the surface in some way. So on the corner of the D6 where the four, five, and six meet at this very top point, when I when you print it, that is the point that faces straight up. I had bubbles breaching that top corner. So it ruined the corner. So I would either have to sand it completely down to get the corner back, which means I'm losing a lot of material, mm-hmm. um, if that's even possible. As I further sanded down, more bubbles breached on the on the number faces. So I scrapped it, and I printed it again and again, and I modified the supports, and I modified the program I was using to slice, and I modified the program I was using to add supports, and I modified, I like, I, I re-downloaded the dice set from a different dice generator program. I tried just an absolute plethora of things. And I could not 
get the bubbles to stop forming in these dice. And then I realized I would print other things. I started printing other things in clear because I had clear resin. I was like, oh, I need to print this invisible D&D mini. Then I started getting surface bubbles on those. Uh-huh. I switched resins. I switched printers. I bought the <laughs> 6X because my Photon, my Photon 1, the OG Photon, was doing that. I bought the 6X, set it up, printed bubbles in that too. So it's got to be either something wrong with the environment in the room or maybe I got two different bad batches of resin, but you can see how quickly this gets complicated. It's a yeah. lot of a lot of troubleshooting mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what the fuck is happening when something <laughs> yeah. goes wrong. So that was kind of the point because Bronson wasn't going to bring these in today. And I was like, no, you should because like we always talk about hobby stuff and everybody's, you know, I feel like everybody has their hobby and it's like, oh, it's all rainbows and butterflies and look how fun our hobby is. But then like what you don't see is like bang hours and hours of just like son of a yeah. <laughs> like I have so many times I went to go print something downstairs. The Guitar Hero mounts, uh, perfect example. I had to try that three different times. It just wasn't uh, printing the piece correctly. Then it said it was the right scale and it wasn't. I had to reprint it because it was the wrong size because uh, the guitar wouldn't fit in. It's like a perfect fit to get it in there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was like, no, you should bring it in because like I'm sure everyone has their hobby where... Um, you know, you do have like the learning curve and the miss, uh, the mess ups, even if you've done it a hundred times, like I've printed a ton of minis. I went to go print something, um, a few, I think about a month ago. And, um, actually when I went to go print Wyatt for the first time, there is a (laughs) half finished Terminator style Wyatt where (laughs) about belly button, the print failed. Um, so like, you know, it happens, but you know, it's, it's a hobby channel. That's what our channel's for. So it's mm-hmm. like, we're not going to just be like, yeah, this is all of the things and you do it and it's easy and it's fun and it takes two seconds and you profit. It's like everything oh, is sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's work behind everything that gets done. Like, um, I've been working on the pinball machine everybody's like, you know, people come over and they play it and they're like, cool, pinball. They don't see like the 35 hours I've already put into that pinball machine just to make like the back glass work correctly because it's a monitor. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a lot of work that gets put into hobbies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I, granted, like I last, I guess it was two summers ago, like during the height of the pandemic, um, I started doing like model making. Mm-hmm. And like I had this whole model that I that I bought, it was like from like 1998. So I'm super pumped. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, this is my favorite race car ever. Blah blah blah. I'm putting it together. I never finished it mm. because the hood was warped, the body of the car was warped, and the tires don't fit on the plastic itself because everything tough. is. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing, and just bear with me. You think we could reprint that hood? We might be able to reprint the body of the car. I think we could reprint the whole thing. You could. <laughs> I can't reprint the, the body. I could do the hood. Do it vertically. <laughs> eh, right? It depends on how big the model is. I think is a one twenty four. Uh, I think it's like a one. It's about about yay big. I don't big. think it's one twenty four. I think it's a little bit smaller. Yay big. It's like a one thirty six, maybe. A little bit smaller. Smaller than that. Oh, then maybe. Yeah. I was thinking, like, my, my cousin used to have, like, this size one. Mm-hmm. He used to have them, like, right down the freaking hallway on both sides of the his hallway so you, only one person could walk at a time mm-hmm. or you destroy your ankles it's, and feet. It's about the same size as the uh, the polyhedral cathedral car that I brought. Ah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. That, that, so, that should be able yeah, to Yeah, about, about 124. 100% you could print that vertically. 
Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, just to solidify Joe's point yet, this none of the hobbies that we do, none of the hobbies anybody is going to do is going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Mm-hmm. Unless you're painting sunshine rainbows. Well, then you might screw up painting sunshine and rainbows, and then it won't be sunshine and rainbows. Happy accidents. <laughs> uh, so really persevering with a hobby you feel strongly about is really important. And I, I just wanted to make that point while I'm going through this stuff. I'll still keep going through the process of how to make these because it is really interesting. But um, yeah, don't give up if, if things get difficult on your hobbies because at, nobody who's good at anything got there without some kind of struggle. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, in the chat, Purple Print says, would heating the resin to higher temperature and allowing more mixing reduce the bubbles and also get him dimensions of the hood and I can 3D model that in SolidWorks. Still have a license, Bronson Law. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a SolidWorks license. My, my company bought me an AutoCAD license though, so that's going to be a little fun. Um, I have a SolidWorks license. Nice. Kind of. Oh, <laughs> Yar. I have solid works. Uh, I did try. <laughs> I did try heating up the vat. A lot of people suggest that because it's common with 3d printing. Mm. Uh, it did not unfortunately solve the problem. I actually tried heating it up and air conditioning it. To see if, if a temperature modulation in either direction would work. And it did not. I, I moved it to a colder room with a stable temperature and moved it to a warmer room with a stable temperature. And that did not seem to fix anything. Unfortunately. Um, additionally, the resins have a rated temperature they should be good at as part of like what's on the bottle. Mm-hmm. And there's a community test file that tells you um, what temperature things should be kept at. And that's what I went off of as my baseline and then went up and down. <clears throat> Still didn't fix anything, unfortunately. But so let's assume <clears throat> I got so angry that I asked somebody else to 3D print these. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's assume because I would never really do that. No, um, of course yeah, not. No, Hypothetically. No. Yeah, I, so, hypothetically. So anyway, I got so angry that I asked somebody else to 3D print them. And my friend Sarah printed them for me flawlessly. She So what, that was good because it did isolate out that it was not the die or mm. the supports I placed. It has to be something with uh, the environment that I'm printing in or the types of resin I'm using. Mm-hmm. Because the printer changed. The only thing that stayed the same was the room and the resin brand. And well, I actually used two resin brands. So got, we got, we got a little bit of things that we, we knocked out of the <laughs> loop there, which is important in troubleshooting. Yeah. But anyways, um, Sarah printed them for me and <clears throat> she sent them over. I started polishing them and, uh, that's where I'm at right now with the new set. So polishing is really intensive on your fingers, whether you have the polishing wheel or whether you do it by hand on a, on a flat surface, like a piece of glass or something is how you want to make sure you get that supremely flat finish um it's very time consuming very difficult and i'm already having problems with the joints in my fingers so i'm really not looking forward to finishing that even though it's already started uh but from there hypothetically so let's assume i finish that right and I'm, i'm hoping to do it soon you finish that and then you start casting these dice in silicone so you take one of the die so i'll use uh i'll use this d8 because that's fairly universal um I would take the one face, so this face up, and I'd get a piece of contact paper, which is basically a, sh- a large sheet of single-sided tape, and then you just kind of stick it down with the one side on that tape. And then you do the same for the rest of the dice until you have some mass of dice all stuck down on the one side face on this contact paper. And then what I did was I took a three-inch to four-inch reduction PVC fitting 
and I just slid it over the top of that on the contact paper, and then I hot glued around the edge so no silicone I could pour would escape that that field. Um, then I took a uh, two-part silicone, mixed it, and poured it in. Now, I want to point out that if you're going to use platinum cure silicone, which is probably the better option, you need to wait for 3D resin to mm-hmm. off-gas. So when you when you print something in 3D in UV resin, it off-gasses sulfur. If you don't wait for it to off-gas sulfur, the sulfur inhibits the cure of the platinum cure silicone. Hmm. So it will not cure. It'll just be a goopy mess, and you won't be able to make a mold. So with these, I actually I waited um, a full month for the sulfur to off-gas and then cast them. Mm. But like I said before, I got some cure inhibition anyway, so maybe I didn't wait long enough. Mm. The other option you could do is to use tin cure silicone, which is more expensive, and I've found not as great. It doesn't hold up as well over time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it, there's a lot of different types of materials you can buy, and um, you really got to know what you're buying before you buy it. It gets very complicated very quickly. So I, I just decided because the reputation for platinum circulo- uh, platinum cure silicone for this application was way better. Ended up waiting the 30 days, uh, both times, the prior time and this time, and cast in the platinum cure. So now you've got contact paper, dice stuck to it, and then a my PVC fitting is completely full of silicone. You let it wait for the amount of time it tells you to have it harden, mm-hmm. and then you flip it over, peel that contact paper off, and remove the uh, hot glue from around the outside. Mm-hmm. And then you take that whole thing that's in that fitting, and you have to do two things. First, you need to inhibit the silicone you're about to pour on top of the old pour from curing to the old pour, and there's two ways to do that. One way, which I want to try when I have some free time, is to coat it in baby powder, and mm. then just wipe the dye faces clean. Apparently, that's very easy. It works very well, but you have to really make sure that you get the inside of those numbers clean. Otherwise, you, you'll have a problem. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then the method I used, which has been working great so far, is Vaseline. Mm. Really? Okay. You put Vaseline all over the top of the silicone. Don't touch the dye faces. Uh, make sure those dye faces are super clean because if they get even a little bit of uh, baby powder or silicone on them, you won't cure the top of that... Um, uh, the silicone lid you're about to pour on, it'll have the texture of the baby powder or the Vaseline, and it won't be a clean finish, which you do not want. Okay. So then, Unless once you're into that, yeah. Once you have the, gotta be inclusive. <laughs> once you have the bottom section coated, so you don't have silicone on silicone curing, mm-hmm. you slide it down into the PVC fitting a little bit. So it's about, I want to say maybe an inch to an inch and a half deep for the lid. And then you pour more silicone into that. And what that does is that creates a similar diameter lid. Um, Another important thing that I forgot to mention, before you pour the lid for the silicone, you have to cut what's called keys into the first silicone portion that you poured. Mm. So in order to make sure your lid always goes on in the correct orientation, because you need to match it up like exactly... I usually, I'll cut a triangle out of one side and a square out of the other side. So I know that it's going back on in the correct way. So that way when you pour the lid, that square and that triangle line up and you have your faces lined up perfectly. 
That is such a good idea. And this is all stuff I learned through the community. Like the, the dice making community is fantastic. They're so like helpful with all this stuff. I've had people like troubleshoot a lot of my issues when I was going through all this. And that, I think that really rings true for like any hobby leaning on the community, hobby community. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I found that hobby communities are much better than like video game communities. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like uh, video game communities, even like magic, like tabletop stuff too. Like uh, I found some D and D communities can be like this. Some can be a little gatekeepy. Some can mm-hmm. be uh, a little bit harsh for new people to get into. Mm-hmm. I've never had any issue in any hobby community trying to get into it. Everybody I've spoken to has been like so helpful. The only thing I'll, I'll warn people of, especially with 3D printing, Bob, if you're going to go talk to anybody about that, there are a lot of people who will give advice on 3D printing that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> so I've gone into groups and someone's been like, oh, my, my prints aren't curing to the build plate. And people are like, sand the build plate down. Oh, do this, uh, tighten this, recalibrate this. And I'm like, no, if it's not hardening to the build plate, it's an exposure setting. Don't listen to any of these people. Don't sand the fucking build plate. Like I have to go through and be like, don't do this or this, don't do this or this. And then tell them what they're supposed to do. Because, like, again, just like with dice making, with 3D printing, I have gone through a hell of a trial and error getting everything correctly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's the, I would say, the only thing you want to watch out for in new hobbies is people who freely offer information. Like, if you're going to ask complicated advice from somebody, let other people suss those answers out before you really get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so you pour the lid, you let that cure, and then... That's that's really it. So you you pull that mold out. You have the lid and you have the base. You very carefully, very, very carefully separate the top from the bottom. You may need to like free it a little bit with the X-Acto knife depending on where because you know it gets a little, little rough around the edges of the dice sometimes. You shouldn't really have a problem with it though. Um, and uh, from that point, you just pop out the old dice or the, the masters and uh, you start casting with, with two-part epoxy resin so you mix uh part a and the hardener or i don't know what part a is called but the the actual resin and the hardener um and you pour it into the mold you always want to overflow the mold and then drop the uh lid on top of it and let it settle on its own down don't Mm. push it or you'll warp the mold uh and then you pop that in a pressure pot and uh wait 24 hours (laughs) yeah don't pull it out early because they can deform uh the only part of that process i did not really mentioned because i wanted to mention them together now like i mentioned before degassing silicone also has to be degassed you can pour silicone if you don't degas it it will form micro bubbles and you'll get little like dots all over the surface of the dice i have seen people do it without degassing i don't know how i've never had any luck with it i highly highly recommend degassing a vacuum chamber pot suitable for uh dice making is like a hundred bucks and it will save you so much headache so uh you degas silicone like i said before you can degas the resin but i wouldn't i would just use the pressure pot and uh and yeah it's it's a lot of fun when you finally get the result and you pop the first die out and you're like shit i made this this is fucking awesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway that's the spiel on on dice making Uh, i just wanted to go through it just because we we love talking about our hobbies here and uh, hopefully, if anybody wants to give it a shot, you can always message us. I'll try to respond with tips and advice. And uh, I do recommend a couple of Facebook groups for it. There's uh, the Great Library of Dicecraft is my favorite right now. Mm. Uh, they're they're great for that. I've, I'm in some discords. But uh, yeah. yeah I love it. I love 
the the communities. I know Phil Phil was talking about the community. I think I think I know the problem for Phil is that your community is also wine snob community. Like you you get the mix of yes, it's a hobby, but also my wine is better than yours. <clears throat> And my wine comes from the grapes that were built on a wooden <laughs> trellis in the fall of 1972. If you're not using wine barrels aged from Roman sycamore, what are you even doing, you <laughs> fucking pleb? Yeah. And I'm over here like, I was in a forest over there, and they look like grapes. So I, I found I, the I, grape. I took them. Uh, I got yelled at by some guy, uh, so I ran. I lost a couple. I had to go back. Wine uh, tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> I made mine and put it in a box. <laughs> Phil says in the chat, yes, when I asked if I can go to ShopRite and use grape juice, I was almost banned. Yeah, how <laughs> dare Damn. you? Damn. <laughs> Did you say Concord grape juice? Get the fuck out of here. Welch's wine. Yeah. That's actually a thing that people do. I'm not, use, I'm not making that up. You that don't want to use thing. the high-end stuff for your first attempt. Like, what if you go through, what if you make a mistake and waste expensive stuff, right? Yeah. You get, you nail the process mm-hmm. and then you use the expensive you ingredients. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. I've had Welsh grape juice wine. It's better than most $15 bottles of wine. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not bad. I don't get, I don't get the whole, the snobbery around, uh, around wine. I mean, I can't really tell the difference between an old wine and a new wine and an aged wine or a non-aged wine. Yeah. Wine is wine. I'm not really an alcohol connoisseur. And like, if that's really your thing, then fine. But like, there's no excuse to put people down about their tastes. I bet if, if I or Phil make Welch's grape wine and then don't tell you, I'll empty out a regular bottle of wine and put it in there. You probably wouldn't know. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I, but so after college, I started working at a, fairly high-end liquor store like mm-hmm. they sold like the dollar 24 ounce beers <laughs> but also sold like fifteen hundred dollar bottles of scotch don't you love those Sheesh. like it, it's it's and the clientele are very different i was in a bumblefuck shop right in like literal bumblefuck uh in new jersey might have been pennsylvania it was right on the border bumblefuck pencil tucky $35,000 bottle of cognac. Get oh, the yeah. fuck out of here. And that was just one of several things they had over $14,000. I was like, why? Why? What? Who's? Does it taste that much better? Who it's got to be here? one of those things that's just like the status symbol, right? I thought it was one of those things where if you buy the bottle of cognac, they give you the Mercedes out front or something. What? <laughs> that's just how I assume. If I'm buying $35,000 bottle of any liquor, I'm getting a free car. That's oh, yeah. just what I that that's not what I assume. Jeez. Yeah, I well like working there definitely gave me a little bit more of an appreciation for like the different types of like wine and what I like and what pairs well. Like I can fairly decently tell you what will pair well with what meal and that kind of shit. But I get like, that. Did it, you remember when I, I just learned don't that? Care. <laughs> you know what Do I mean? Do you remember you were there when I learned that certain things don't pair well? Uh, like white wines with uh, so fish, red wines for steak. I'm trying to remember. We were playing D and D, uh, and Joan Elena had put out like um, like Italian uh, finger pickings, the like charcuterie the, board. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> like prosciutto and yeah. gabagool and uh, like cheeses. And I had a what? 
<laughs> and I had a, um, listen, I, I make fun of my family all the time for calling it gabagool. I call it capicola. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, I drank a, like a malted vodka seltzer and then I ate one of the pieces of prosciutto and I was like, this is fucking gross. Did this go bad? And Elena came over and tried it and was like, no, it tastes perfectly normal. And I'm like, why does my mouth feel so sad right now? <laughs> and then she looked at what I was drinking. She was like, you're, you're drinking a malted vodka seltzer and then eating like a, an aged meat with it. Like that's a terrible combo. And she was right. Cause then I went like and washed my mouth out and then ate like I drank water mm. and then ate a piece of prosciutto and it tasted fine. So I had I literally thought people were just being pretentious before that. I had no fucking clue. You actually are not supposed to pair some alcohols. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say just because you mentioned it, um, high end scotches are just about the only thing I can tell the difference. So, it, Lagavulin and Macallan are all scotches, right? Yes. I've had those. I can tell the difference between like a Macallan 12 and like a dollar scotch. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you should. One's basically gasoline. Yeah. And uh, La Monica taught me how to drink the scotch properly where you're like, you pour it at room temperature and let it melt over the ice. I, this is w- one of two ways you can go with La Monica. One, you just. <laughs> yep. Two. I didn't realize when you let I didn't realize when you let ice melt in it it unleashes other flavors. Yeah, if you, you just drink it, it just so tastes watch, like fucking turpentine. Watch what you're gonna say, because that's 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 an argument point that what? the internet is divided on. Good. Fight me. There's either the people who say you need to ice it, and there are the people that say, How dare you ever put ice in it? You use whiskey stones or you just drink it straight. Ice waters it down and ruins the flavor. There is the the battle of the ages. My dad and I fight constantly over whether or not <laughs> a certain wine should be chilled. Really? I personally like red wine room temperature. Really? It's supposed I to be don't I like it's it supposed chilled. to be chilled. It's like I keep mine in the fridge at 41. Red wine so, ain't got no chill. Right? <laughs> so and I've always drank white wine chilled. Mm. But never red. Well, white wine's supposed to be colder than red wine, but red wine mm-hmm. is supposed to be chilled. Hmm. I think reds are supposed to be at like forty five or forty six degrees. Refrigerator, like that. got it. And then uh, whites are supposed to be at like thirty five or something. It's a little oh, wow. bit lower. Freezer, yeah. got it. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that is where the vodka goes. <laughs> if you go into my freezer and pull the lid, there is a bottle of vodka. It's the emergency vodka. <laughs> um, but yeah, like my dad and I, we always, you know, have our like arguments because I personally, I like a lot of things room temperature. Why? Why? Just because I like to have like some flavor kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like I can get more flavor when it's like room temperature than I can. See, for cold. me, I get more flavor when it's colder. Hmm. That's does, how my, my taste buds work. Chat, Phil specifically, does me do that too? Are you supposed to drink it at different temperatures to get different flavors out of it? I always <laughs> let us know in the comments. I always thought so. Yeah, because yeah, I thought I've I, only I ever remember had I got once. I think I got yelled at once because I you're not supposed to drink it cold. I think it's supposed uh, to be warm. I've only ever had mead once. Hmm. I've never had mead. I'm fairly. Really? I think I'm allergic to mead, but hmm. yeah, every time I drink it, I get like super red, warm cheeks. I get a little itchy in my throat, but like not where you drank it. So. I, I wonder if it's, do you get that with wine too? 
I get the Asian flush from wine, but I don't get itchy like I'm having an allergic reaction. I say, you met my friend Anna. Anaphylaxis. (laughs) Chilled will mellow. (laughs) Thanks. Um, (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, because you might be allergic to like the sulfides in wine. I thought that, but I've had the sulfite-free wine, and it happens there too. Hmm. So I just have the Asian flush. It's a thing. No idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. Hmm. It's called Asian flush because most Asian people have it, but you don't have to be Asian to have Asian flush. Hmm. It's just a reaction. Your uh, your skins get like pigmenty and warm when you drink uh, wine. So Phil says in the chat, <clears throat> you can. Room temp will allow for better flavors. Chilled will mellow out young meads and taste better. Anything six plus months, I rather not chill unless I open a bottle and don't finish it all. <laughs> that makes sense. I'd Thank you. Out. I have a lot of beer that like I've had for a very long time that's just been sitting in my cabinet. Garbage. I keep, it's, yeah, garbage. You just gonna get no? no garbage. No, because it's it hasn't had any. So it's not, and it's like beer that's meant to be aged. Eh. So it's the aged really high, like when it's brewed. No, no, there are there are beers that are like whiskeys where like you do leave it like a dogfish head. I thought once you pull yeah, anything hot. out of the barrel, the aging process doesn't do anything. Like it doesn't pull anything it's, extra out of the aluminum. It's if the it's, way if it's the high, like super high alcohol content, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with beers, the only thing that's really going to skunk beer is drastic temperature changes from one temp to another. So if it's oh, like if it's okay. super cold and it's hot as balls outside, so and you leave your beer outside for a while. The mm-hmm. six beers it, like, I have in my garage are yeah, skunked. Those are gone. For, Probably for yeah. three Halloween parties now. Yeah, they're yeah. gone. Yeah, okay. Yeah, especially um, if they were like Miller Lights and stuff like. Oh yeah, they're yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they're, they're dead. <laughs> I, I those bought, are going to be skunky AF. I host. bought uh, <laughs> back in the day. I love Yingling came out with the Oktoberfest for mm-hmm. the first time, and I loved it. So I went to the liquor store and I bought three cases because. It, sh- it flies off the shelf. So I bought three cases, put it in my basement. My basement's always cold. It's perfect. I left the cases down there. Like three months later, roll by, and I, I've been picking them off, and I finally go to grab one. Skunked to all hell. Ugh. Just light beer does not no. sit. But like some of the beers that I have are really good aging beers, and I forget what they're like. Some of them are like... Um, like the, the bourbon barrel ones, and I forget mm-hmm. the names off the top of my head, but when I was working at the liquor store, they were like the hot commodity. Like our store opened at 8 a.m. and we would have a line around the building for people to come in and pick up when the shipment came in. Sheesh. And like they were only limited to two bottles per person. Like it's the fancy super, stuff. Is and it, like it, was, the, it was like twelve bucks a bottle. Is it like the dogfish head like one twenty minutes? It was a it's along like that. that line. Yeah. So it, and it's the the twelve ounce bottle, mm-hmm. like nothing. Super I have a couple or anything like that. Um, I remember we used to ra- uh, raffle off the Sam Adams Utopias, mm. which that is in this really cool like olden time slash space age bottle, really? where it looks like a decanter. Oh, and it's it's this whole special package, and that bottle itself sells for. At least at the time, two hundred fifty-three. I was going to say, haven't those like Damn. shot through for a the bottle roof? of beer? Crazy. Like, I, think I think they're more expensive now. I was lucky enough to have a taste of it because they would do like a tasting every now and then as well. Mm-hmm. And the tasting, we would sell tickets for twenty bucks mm. just to get like a little two ounce pour. I no matter what beer I try, no matter what it's been through or what flavors it has, everything beer to me 
tastes like I just took a piece of like a uh, playground wood chip and stuck it in my mouth. Mm. I, I have never Earthy. been able. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never been able to of, find a beer I enjoyed. That's like me with a lot of hard alcohol. Yeah. And a lot of the super uh, high IPA and like hoppy beers. It just tastes like I'm eating grass. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that's honestly that's me with like a lot of whiskeys, bourbons, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. My dad loves his whiskey, loves his bourbon. I just I'm not a fan. Yeah, like my like, dad always he has the glass, he has a cigar, he you know sits there with his cigar and he drinks whiskey. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, all right, I can finally join the big boy table because what they don't know is that I pour like screwball in there and I'm drinking peanut butter. <laughs> 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 I mean, I can fit in with a cigar. Like, I love me a good cigar, but like, yeah, collector's item it. stuff is really, really a a, a strange field for anything because oh, a lot yeah. of it ties back to very little sense. Just before we mm-hmm. jump off the alcohol, I do want to say uh, we're going to try to have Phil on mm-hmm. one, the guy that's been talking I to us in the chat about in lead. about a month. Yep. And uh, we're going to do some cider stuff. We're going to do some mead stuff. It's going to be a good time. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking about collector's items, there's oh. something we were chatting about before the show concerning Magic the Gathering and Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> oh, yeah. That stupid, stupid. So I know we were talking about magic stuff. And I, I was, you know, I'm like trying to get back into it. And I'm working my way in there. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking around. And I see they released this 30th anniversary set been around for 30 years and um i was like oh that's really cool 30 years they're probably gonna have some cool stuff you know whatever and then they released it's four packs of cards 15 cards per pack there is a chance to get a rare i think you can get up to two rares in the box and it is a thousand dollars and they're not even legal cards it's so dumb like i want to get back in and then they do things like this and i'm like i don't want to give the money now like yeah listen that's that's just a ripoff i i used to play magic the gathering i hate i hate magic the gathering now i won't play anything that has anything to do with it i'm trying to get rid of all my cards i can't stand it it's when it was just like low power curve cars were like oh 25 bucks is expensive for a card when, when it was has when it wasn't hasbro hasbro bought wizards and it's been downhill yeah. because wizards basically is making all of the money for hasbro at this point every time there's like a sales earning wizards is the number one thing hasbro has and they're like right we need to make more of that so pump out D books pump out magic cards, raise the price of magic cards. Now there's not even like, like it used to just be like a box came out. This is the box. There's 36 packs of cards. Go have fun. Now it's like, this is the pack. It's 36 packs. Also for triple the price, you could have a different pack that has 24 and they're fancier cards, but they're not in the normal packs. And also it's like $500 a box. And so I think, what really like kills it for me. <clears throat> and this is when I started getting pissed at magic. Magic used to sell a box for 80 bucks and used to get 36 packs in it. Mm-hmm. I think it was 36. Yeah, it was 36. And then all of a sudden they started releasing modern master sets and the modern master's Which was boxes fine. 
well, it was fine when they were 80 bucks a box. Then all of a sudden they're like, oh, these cards right here? No, these are the, now you, the only place you can get these cards is this box, and this box is $300. And it's like, I, it's frustrating because oh, they're, they're literally just artificially inflating the cost of these cards. Mm -hmm. So when I got into Magic, I was very frustrated that unless I spent an exorbitant amount of money, nothing I played was competitive in any format. Mm -hmm. um, so now I know you can make pauper stuff, but kind of the way you get into it is now everybody has to agree what, what format you're playing. They have to agree like what, how crazy you're going to go. Mm -hmm. And then it turns into a pissing contest of who spends more money on their deck. I know you can build really good decks for cheap, but not decks that stay meta. So if I go to a tournament or I go to a shop and I tell somebody I want to play modern, there are people in the shop that are like, here, play me. And they slap down a $3,000 deck. And I've done that. Lord. Mm -hmm. I've done that. I've been there with modern. It's been that important to me. And now all I have are a bunch of cards that I don't, I don't even want to look at because of how they're manipulating the prices. And this is kind of like the cherry on the top. Like I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe I should just keep a few decks to play and hang out with my friends. No, um, I, I can't keep, I don't want to support a company that does this kind of shit. Non-legal cards, they're charging $1,000 for a box of proxies. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. That's so scummy. Yeah. So for anybody at home who wants to make proxies, Grab yourself a inkjet printer. Grab yourself a little ball of acetone, and uh, the goodwill bin of magic cards that your like nephew has because his parents only buy him the cheap ones. Wipe off the front of the card with acetone. Tape it down. Send it into the printer. Profit. You now have a proxy card. Yeah. it's worth the same amount as the thousand dollar ones that they're selling. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, oh, I can't. It's, it's I'm I'm just so tired of companies going there. Like we have so many companies that that are in charge doing it. Are yeah are in charge of hobbies that we are really into. Magic. Oh man, what was like Overwatch with the loot boxes? Right, they're mm -hmm. they're willing to engage in questionable business practices and target what is essentially gambling at children. Yeah, right. Opening a pack of magic cards with a randomized result on the inside is gambling. Okay. Mm. Loot packs are gambling. You can get something great, you can get something shitty, and you're not guaranteed really anything. And they, they kind of lock it in at a certain that's rate. True. You're mm. guaranteed something really shitty. Yeah. That's well, the guarantee. You're not guaranteed something <laughs> shitty. I've opened I've opened one triple legendary pack in Apex. Right. But that's not the normal. The normal is something shitty. Exactly. That's the guarantee. It's gambling. Yeah. Anyway, that's like without arguing the semantics yeah. of what the word guarantee yeah. means. Well, it's like a scratch off. Um, <laughs> I'm guaranteed to lose, but there's a chance I win. <laughs> but more times than not, I'm going to scratch that and then put it in the garbage, mm -hmm. which is not <laughs> something you should be marketing to kids. And that's no. that's a lot of the issue that people had with with Overwatch loot packs, Apex loot packs, <laughs> whatever whatever you want to call it. I feel you, Phil. But. <laughs> You know, like that, I'm so tired of supporting companies that do that. I'm so tired of this. Like everything nowadays feels like this shitty cash grab. I know we talked about the fucking BMW subscription for heated seats. Get yeah. out of so here. Fucking dumb. Isn't it? I wish, I wish people would riot when companies did something dumb like that and just so, completely refuse to buy any of their product. So this teach them a fucking lesson. This ties into something I had that we didn't talk about. I mean, we, we did, but we didn't bring it up. 
Logitech. Yeah. Logitech oh. released new steering wheels for the first time in a long time. And they released good steering wheels. However, and it's a big however, it's $1,000 for the wheel. Jeez. If you would like pedals, that's another $300. And if I'm not mistaken, it's just the wheel base. There is no shifter. Well, no You get sh- a wheel. You Do you actually get, you the, get wheel the wheel with it? Okay. For $1,000, you get the wheel. But you don't get pedals. Because companies like Fanatec do it very different. Yeah, where you have to buy the wheel. But that's because they have like 40 different wheels. Right, but you still... there's And there's no bundle. No, there's not. So you got to pay for the, the base. Yep. Then and the wheel. The wheel then the pedals. And the pedals. Then you need a shifter. The shifter if then you, you need want. an e-brake. And the connectors. And the connectors. And all that other and shit. And the cables. Yeah, no, God. it's don't get in the sim racing. It's it's ridiculous. It's and I was like, I was so excited. I'm like reading the thing. Cause Logitech has usually been like pretty bang for your buck with, with yeah. racing s- stuff. They're not super strong, but like you get a good quality product. Yeah, Everything G29, is like you know? leather rate, like leather wrapped and this and that. And it's like, yeah, great. I was like, I'm finally going to upgrade my G25. It's so old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I saw the price. I was like, well, <laughs> guess I'm cranking a couple more years out of that steering wheel. <laughs> yep. I'm going to overclock my freaking belt drive. Let's go. Well, <laughs> a little, little while ago, I upgraded my pedals. I went from the standard ones that came with my wheel. I have a Thrustmaster wheel. Uh, and the pedals that came with it. Mm-hmm. I upgraded to the th- uh, Thrustmaster TLCM pedals. Mm-hmm. So they're load cell pedals. Yeah. Which means there's a magnet as a sensor, and it reads it a lot better than the potentiometer yeah. that of, does of in the yesteryear. So, and you can actually, with with my pedal set, you can actually adjust the springs that come with it. I have the That's same cool. stuff and on my uh, keyboard. You can get the super, <laughs> the super like, like, I think they're like, 15 pound springs so you can get up to like 30 pounds of pressure for the the springs itself i did that model like mimic how driving an actual gt car feels i did that mod on my logitech uh brake pedal i regret (laughs) it makes it makes my calf yeah after like after like 25 minutes of racing, I'm just like, my foot hurts so much. Why did I do this to myself? We're going to, 20 years from now, we're going to walk past Joe and he's going to be limping and it's going to be his, because his right calf muscle is fucking enormous. Yeah. And his left one's normal size. That, that do was you do me. this while you drive in your real car? I'm sitting in traffic and I have to like, I'm like, all right, I need to practice. So I'll, I'll double foot <laughs> gas and brake to try to like, but like my left foot does not know how real brakes work, <laughs> so like I'll be in traffic and then I'm just like, yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> I've definitely done that before. You know what's funny about that? <laughs> I have no problem doing it in iRacing. Yeah, I right foot gas, left foot. Brake. No, I'm perfect in iRacing. Real car, real, real life. My foot's like I don't know what's happening. Yeah, brake. What's the sensitivity? <laughs> I'm either not braking. Very like not even slowing down, or I have just short stop from the guy in front of me. He's probably gonna hit my car. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every time it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, racing. I, you know, no problem. I think because when you're in eye racing, you're just like foot on, foot off, and it's just. But when you're in a real car, you're like foot off, foot very ever so slightly on. Uh, We're not trying to take a turn here. 
we're stopping at a red light. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's a thing that I've learned. Yeah, I'm not uh, trying to hard. hit my breaking marker. You know, 100 yards <laughs> right before the corner, <laughs> right before turn in. So hit your apex. I also have the other uh, thing that I don't know if you saw, but I have a question for you regarding what in the whole fuck happened. Oh boy! In NASCAR, <laughs> I saw a video where a pit crew guy ran out into the freaking racetrack to grab a wheel to bring back and then was escorted off of the track. Oh, he was not, Bob, what the fuck happened? Not only was he escorted <laughs> from the track, they removed his credential and his hard card. Oh, oh and he can said, no longer you're no longer welcome here. So what what happened? <laughs> so cuz I don't understand. Like I watched it and I'm like I don't, I don't know what this means. <laughs> so during the uh the NASCAR Truck Series race on Saturday, uh, car, uh, the number one car driven by, uh, uh, Haley Deegan, who, uh, you know, Brian Deegan, former, you know, skateboarder mm-hmm. and, you know, motocross, yeah. his daughter, ah. um, look at that came in for pit stop, parked a little bit too far away from the wall, still in her pit box. And the crew wasn't really planning on her to be that far away from the wall because mm. they'll, they'll come around and they, they know their exact marks that they have to hit, to change tires and fucking, 14 seconds. Right. Change four tires and fill it with fuel. It's ridiculous. Came around and she actually hit the tire out of the tire carrier's hand. Uh, and oh. his brain went from, you know, basically was fight or flight. And I need to get this tire on this car. Mm. And he walked across pit road into the grass to get the, to get the tire. Right. Under green flag conditions at Talladega. Oh, geez, that's so dangerous. So these trucks are going 180, 190 miles an hour in a pack. Uh, and he ran across pit road, which pit road speed at Talladega is highway speed. So it's like so running 55. across 65. Oh, wow. 65. <laughs> so he, it, it's like running across a highway to Jeez. go after a tire that he had to go get. Yeah. Oh. That he didn't really have to go get? Did they have like another tire? They could have gotten another tire. Or because the tire was already out in the grass anyway, Mm. NASCAR was going to throw a caution because it's a loose object in the grass anyway. Uh, Gotcha. And if there's a big wreck, car coming across, hits that tire, that tire is now a projectile. It's indeed a weapon. Um, So they're going to throw a caution anyway. So what should have happened is he should have gone back to the pit wall grabbed another tire or someone else on the crew, grab another tire, hand it to him and go about their business. So he mm. just full on like monkey brand it. Yeah. He, he literally like just, he just went, Oh, tire. <laughs> literally. It was one of those. <laughs> I guarantee you what was going on in his head is okay. Cars coming three, two, go shit. Fuck tire, 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 tire. tire, tire. tire. Yeah, fuck, fuck. <laughs> and it was literally just like a, uh, and just, Ran so I watched the, the video of him like he was fucking he was booking it. He was sprinting. <laughs> Boy doobie schmoving. Well, the, and the best part is almost every single one of those guys on pit road are former college and professional athletes mm. in their own right. Really? NASCAR will actually go and scout players in college football, college basketball, baseball, college athletes. Really? And say I know your shot at making the NFL, MLB, NBA, blah, 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 is very slim. Come work for us. You'll be a professional athlete on our NASCAR team. 
and you're going to change tires. You don't need to know anything about a car. You just have to be able to lift things, carry things, and put things on quickly. Sir, can you go, <gasps> tire? <laughs> I have the job for you. <laughs> do you have tire. a pointer finger? If you do, you can work an impact gun. Yeah. Can you go, <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. Welcome. Is it still five? No. Uh, is is so it the one yet? It's five for the trucks and Xfinity series. It's a single lug for the Cup Series. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I thought they Which went. now their pit stops are sub nine seconds. <laughs> nine <laughs> seconds Done. to change all four tires and fill it with fuel. That reminds me of the, uh, the Cars movie, Giuseppe. Beat stop. <laughs> Literally that scene at the end where Giuseppe just throws the tires up in the air. That's what basically a Cup Series pit stop is now. Yeah. That's like, insane. The wow. nine, I think the nine second refuel, because like I get the tires, because now it's only one lug, so it's just like throw, throw, done. Mm-hmm. To refill a fucking whole ass gas tank in it nine seconds. It takes longer to fill the tank than it does to change all four tires now. Yeah. Wow. Which it used to be the other way around, because mm. it takes about ten seconds to fill the tank. How does, the, how does it force the fluid and is it pressurized? So it's the, they have the can. It's basically gravity fed. Okay. But the way the system works is when you hook in the, uh, the fuel, can, uh, fuel can to the car, it opens up a secondary hose mm-hmm. that as the, flu, as the fuel is going in, it pushes all of the air out up into a reserve tube um, that basically just kind of creates all the pressure coming out of the tank. Gotcha. Forces the fuel into so the tank. So it's a gravity vacuum. Basically, yeah. Um, and you'll even see, like, when it's filled up, you'll see the fuel actually shoot back into the can. Like, cause they, and they have it clear, because the, the gas man, when he's pushed in, he's looking at the, the there, it's, there's a, yeah, a it, white tube. Yeah. Once he sees gas coming in, he'll start nodding his head, and that's when the car can take off. Gotcha. Or oh, he it, doesn't move it? It's just the car goes? Pretty does, much. Does he not, like, eh? No? Basically, does- he just, like, <laughs> he braces... And then unhooks as the car peels off. Because ah. otherwise, you're going for a ride. Whee! Yeah, that's what I was like. Has has there been videos or anything of just like the gas thing on the back of the car while it's just like... Oh, it happens all the time. Oh, really? that's fantastic. It, all the time, if like, especially new guys, um, there is a, a, a podcast that I listen to called Stacking Pennies. It's a, a NASCAR driver, uh, Corey LaJoy. And his whole motto is stacking pennies. He's always driven for underfunded teams. And one little win is his little penny. Mm-hmm. And as long as he keeps stacking pennies, he's happy, you know, all that kind of deal. Uh, they have a tire changer for one of the teams as a host as well. And they'll talk about like the pit stops and talk about it. And he was even saying, he's like, yeah, I watched one guy first ever pit stop in his first ever race, Daytona 500. He's going in and he's, and he looks up and he just sees the way the gas man is standing. He's like, Oh, homeboy's going for a ride today. <laughs> and literally as the, like the, they drop the jack, the car takes off and the guy goes with the can. <laughs> and the, the, the tire changer actually had to like basically dive and stop the can from leaving the box. Cause if the car removes equipment from the pit box, it's a penalty. Oh, wow. So he literally had to like sacrifice his body to take a fuel, ta- a fuel can Directly into his chest to oh. stop it from leaving the box. Jeez. Like, it's it's actually pretty freaking wild, that That's kind of stuff. honestly fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I know what I'm 
looking up after the show. <laughs> look after the show. Look up Brad Keselowski, Pocono, and Pit Crew. He was coming into his pit box and he forgot where his pit box was. Okay, that's me and I racing. And he went bowling. <laughs> he just took out half of his pit crew. Oh my oh, god! There, there's oh, oh. a it, there's a super famous shot of him coming down. It's the roof cam. And you see his Jackman jump up and land on his windshield, stops, puts in reverse, change all four tires like nothing ever happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> These guys are another breed. Of and then person. after the race, they beat him the fuck up. You fucking hit me with the car. <laughs> and the thing is, the drivers and pit crew all say if someone gets hit, it's the pit crew's fault. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because the pit crew has to time it out. And if they get their timing wrong, mm-hmm. unless it was, you know, that situation, but like. Except for that specific one. Yeah. They time everything out. So <laughs> I, they're if I was the driver, like a car length and a half before. If I'm wow. the driver, I'm doubling down. Your fault. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Why did you jump in front of my race car? How yeah. dare you? <laughs> like even watching pit, like pit stop practice is next level. Uh, I just saw today uh, Joe Gibbs racing, uh, former uh, Washington football team head coach, like NFL Hall of Famer, owns a NASCAR team. Okay. And they built an electric race car for pit stop practice. Really? They took chassis of a cup car, made it electric, and they're like, yeah, why should we have to spend on fuel when you could just plug it in at the end of the night? I mean, you're not wrong. And it comes down at pit road speed, does 65 into the box. Change all four and goes off. Wow, hmm. it's it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, while we're on NASCAR, what about NASA? What? Yeah, Na- NASA. <laughs> NASA yeeted a, a thing at a rock and I wanted to see what happens. <laughs> I I what? I saw it. Yeah, NASA apparently just sent a projectile into an asteroid and it was like, oh oh yeah, the planetary yeah. defense test. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah. Everyone was like. I saw, I saw a lot of people online. They were like, so um, why are you testing that, NASA? Is there, right. something, is there something we need to be talking about? Because <laughs> we are one galactic catastrophe away from not being a species anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not on other planets. Someone call up Aerosmith. Let's get, I don't want to miss a thing. Uh, <laughs> don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> Bruce Willis will unretire from acting. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't have to. You didn't see what happened? What? He sold his... Uh, oh, his deep fake rights. He sold his deep yeah, fake rights. Yeah. He's the first one. Allegedly. No, that's not alleged. I saw a lot of conflicting things saying Bruce Willis did no such thing. No, oh, really? I guess we'll have to verify that. So, like, I saw a couple where, like, his lawyer's like, no, he didn't. But, like, all of these other news articles are like, but yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> so there's probably some announcement that just hasn't been made yet. Yeah, That's the way I'm, I'm looking at. Yeah, this. I'm I'm thinking, but that like that brings up a whole rabbit hole conversation of Hollywood, like because I think James Earl Jones sold his voice for AI to continue playing Darth Vader. Yes, Bruce Willis himself denied selling deep fake deep fake rights to deep fake. Oh, good. Yeah. So there's still that. I mean, someone else is gonna now that like it came up. But so like BBC, Ars Technica, and Variety said no, and then like random sites like Collider say he did. Okay, so rumor mill. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. I mean, I I still think it's gonna happen. Um, but 
at least it's safe for now. But uh, James Earl Jones did sell his voice to AI, which is so cool. Like, Dope. And the way they did it for uh, the Kenobi series on uh, Disney Plus, fantastic. By the way, was awesome. Like I and I love how, and I don't really think it's spoilers or anything like that. But the way they mixed Hayden Christensen's voice with James Earl Jones's voice. Oh yeah, was just sick fucking incredible that for all the the critique of that show that one scene made the whole series worth it Mm. i honestly loved the hell out of the whole series yeah it was campy but star wars is campy (laughs) i i a lot of the movies a lot of the major critiques i think are stupid honestly (laughs) there is one critique i mean it's been out for so long I i should talk about it yeah the only critique I have is Vader stopping the ship from flying away mm-hmm. where he was trying to stop the wrong ship. It multiple times he's expressed that he can feel where Kenobi is. Yeah. And he just happens to be pulling down the wrong ship. Yeah. <laughs> so and the then, movie oop, can there's happen. There's another duh. one. Someone did a fan edit where, uh, is it Raya? What, what's the, the evil Jedi? Uh, Reva. Reva. Uh, Reva attacks Vader as he's trying to pull the ship down, and that's what allows it to get away. So much better. That would have been flows awesome. so much nicer. It's not one of those things where he's like, "Ah, uh, I missed this time." I mean, that's basically what he yeah, does. It, it but was the, a ship takes <laughs> off. <laughs> a ship takes off. He grabs it with the force and slams it back down, which is so fucking awesome. And then gets interrupted for a second by something, and then another ship takes off and flies away. And he just turns around. And he's like, "Fuck, <laughs> no, no!" <laughs> that weird no from the end of three. No. <laughs> oh, oh boy, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a hot take in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Bill coming in hot with the hot take. Guys, you don't understand. I need to hit the pose. <laughs> the pose. Which, have you seen any of Andor? And I'm not going to get like super into the weeds on it or anything no, like that. No, I haven't seen anything of Andor yet. I haven't gotten the chance. And I, I can't wait I to watch it. Love it. I yeah. Don't watch Star Wars. Love it. It's 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 the continuation of Rogue One, right? It's what leads to Rogue One. Oh, okay. So it, it's oh how Andor kind of becomes what he is in Rogue One and all that kind of stuff. Uh, like, I just want to let you know. as There's someone... no Jedi, no, you know, space wizards or, or, you know, lightsabers or any of that kind of stuff. Could you do me a favor, both of you, because you guys actually watch Star Wars? I need you to collect all of the pieces of media that have made Star Wars. Because at this point, there's over two dozen. It's got to be. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to piece it out and try to figure out where the fuck it's supposed to go in an order that I think is correct because I don't watch any Star Wars. Okay. It, the numbers <laughs> so, are complicated, but the story is linear. Yeah. So the way my girlfriend and I watched it over the summer, we started with the original A New Hope, episode four. After that, we watched Rogue One. So that kind of gives you, okay, you know, A New Hope, Star Wars, the original DOG. Hmm. Rogue One tells you about, you know, or or shows the events that lead up to to episode four. Mm -hmm. Then we watched five and six. Then you go back in time, watch one, two, three. (laughs) Um, Which, by the way, the way he's describing it to you, 
is not chronological to the series. Yeah. The, he, he, he's watching them for like for story purposes. Yeah. Right. So it, it, with all the side, so side shows and shit, I'm sure you could find a timeline, but no, I want to try to make one. I want to see if I'm close. I just, <laughs> oh. let's just do it as a bit. I want to see if I can get close. Also canonically, does the cartoon shit? Yes. Also the CGI stuff that like aired cartoon, on Cartoon Network, yeah. those are canonical. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So when with, Disney bought it, they made a shit ton of stuff non-canonical. Oh, they were just like, Meh. yeah, almost like all the books scrapped. Mm-hmm. A lot, like a lot of random media that had to do with Star Wars, no longer canonical. Mm. And then yeah. they ended up redoing most of the stories anyway. Yeah. And they created a tiered list of what is canonical. You so said tier, and I'm just imagining like, wait, there's like good ones versus worst. Yeah, literally from yeah. them, from Fantastic. Star Wars, it's them saying, okay, anything in a movie is Bible. Next is a TV show. After the TV show is books and then video games. So if you have two conflicting like things, mm-hmm. where like this person was, you know, Han shot first. No, Greedo shot first. Did it happen in a movie? Whatever happened in the movie is more canonical than it did in the book. Wow. Which, like, there's a whole tier list, and it's a whole... Got it. ...thing. So they did, like... Legends, yeah. They did, like, magic card rules. Follow... Follow the, uh... The The current. The the Oracle text. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Phil said, yeah, they made them legends. Yeah, anything that's considered non-canonical is legends. But with Andor and all these other TV shows... Mm-hmm. they're being like, oh yeah, I saw this thing over here, which is a thing in Legends. Mm-hmm. And just by them saying, oh, I saw this thing. Now it's canonical. It's now canon. Uh, yeah. So like the, like the stories themselves still aren't canon. Mm-hmm. Right. But the people in the stories, like, you know. Right. Bill and Larry on Planet <laughs> Cheese. <Durfenschmerz>. Yeah. <laughs> on like, Planet Cheese. I like yours better. <laughs> like, you can say, oh, you know. Yeah, I heard over there there's Planet Cheese, and they're like, oh, well, now I guess Planet Cheese is canonical. Neat. Like, <laughs> ah, there's so much. So here's here's what, what I'd do if you had any interest in actually watching any of them. I like the pinball machines. Only watch the good stuff, really. Mm-hmm. Um, four, five, and six, I think, are the best. Must I think watch, I, I yeah. think I watched one when it came out. Episode one? Yeah. I didn't like episode one. Even well, as a kid, I, I didn't like I was episode like, one. Well, I didn't have any, like, backstory to it. I think I was... No, no, that's the first, like... Like, I didn't watch any of the other Star Wars. You don't have point. to. Yeah. So. Episode one is, like, when they number them the one through six, that's yeah. how it's chronological. Uh. But even though it came out fourth, like, in our timeline, like, Earth timeline, not mm-hmm. not Star Wars timeline, um, I think four, five, and six still hold up. I've, I've watched them recently. They get very campy at parts, but oh, they're yeah. still very good. Uh, I love it. Mandalorian and Kenobi, I thought were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I love Rogue One. Um, I don't really know if I would waste time watching one or two, honestly. I think you could probably pick it up at three, get a perfect gist of what's going on, yes. and never have to watch <laughs> one or two. And three has all the best memes. Mm. <laughs> With, you know, Kenobi saying, hello there. Hello there. Or, you know, <laughs> I, it's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, you yeah. underestimate my power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you know, but um, like supporting media, I liked Solo because it was fun. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a very serious movie. It's kind of goofy, but I liked it. It was it was fun to watch. Um, mm. I didn't. That is true. One, real quick, 
episode one, there are two things you need to watch with that. Actually, three. The Naboo N1 Starfighter, which is my favorite Star Wars ship in everything. Mm. Um, the Yellow T? Yeah. Really? Love it. It's so cool. <laughs> I right. actually bought uh, the Lego set of it. Did uh, you? Because I just fucking love that ship. Mm. Um, it reminds me of like a Formula One car. I don't know why, but it's just, it's pretty cool looking. Mm. Uh, Darth Maul mm. and um, Duel of the Fates, the song. I've got a hot take with Darth Maul. I think based on what they present you in the movie, I don't really think he means anything. Like visually, I get it. He's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the double-ended lightsaber, it's just so cool. Badass. But I don't like you don't you don't learn to fear him until his lightsaber fight with Qui-Gon and Kenobi and then mm-hmm. he dies like 50 seconds after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say though, the I'm scared. Oh, he's dead now. The Clone yeah. Wars TV show was incredible with what they did to Maul. Oh, okay. I've never watched that. Oh, if if you have time, I don't. But go on. <laughs> if you ever do have time, watch the uh, the Clone Wars show. Um, you get a lot of great like background stories on a lot of the characters and a lot of like what happens in Mandalorian and all that. Okay. Actually, like, because you've seen all the, you've seen all the seasons of Mando, right? Yes. So with Ahsoka and all that, she's from Clone Wars. Like she's Dave Filoni's creation. Gotcha. Um, and with Anakin training her as her like his Padawan and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um. That was great. Uh, the Star Wars Rebels TV show is also great with the best fucking droid in the world who's committed so many war crimes. It's amazing. <laughs> that one okay. droid has... The droid has a body count of over 200,000 people. That's a lot Holy of people. shit. A single droid who, like, will backtalk people and, like, what, straight up curses at people. What side is he on? Uh, Rebels. Really? He, he's a good guy, and he's killed close to 200,000 people. Jeez. Chopper is the best. Uh, great name. I just want to let you know, at this point, you could be making up anything you want, and I think you're great. <laughs> See, Phil knows, Phil knows exactly Half what I'm Half of the talking. names that you said, I take it or leave it. I could have been like, you just made that up. What Was Ahsoka Tano the one that actually got you? Yeah. 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 I was like, no, nah, that's that's the type of boat. Well, and then you learn about all the clones and how there's, you know, that's, that's there's Rex... Fives, you know, um, Cody. All of Just all Cody. of the clone soldiers. Cody. Cody to me is an Xbox operating system that you used to hack and play burned games on original Xboxes. <laughs> That's what Cody is to me. <laughs> all the all the like stormtroopers when they were having the the war, like the Clone Wars, are all a clone of Django Fett. Every single one of them. I don't know who Django Fett is. Boba I know Fett's Boba dad. Fett. Uh, wait, it's... A- and actually, Boba Fett is a clone. Yeah. Boba, Boba Fett is an original, unaltered clone. Yep. So all of the clones look like Boba Fett. But it's his father. So they cloned him, but then let, let him raise Boba from a child. So so he raised himself. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, you're a product of your environment and your genetics, so <laughs> it's not like there's two of them and they're like, ha, we're the same person. It's what like are he- you guys doing? I'm eating a hot dog. What, Dad? Uh, w- we. We're eating a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and like all the clones have their own different personalities. But my favorite is the fact they're all voiced by one person, and D. Bradley Baker is the the voice actor, fucking amazing voice actor. Hmm. Um, there he's literally voiced everyone in like every show, like you know American Dad, mm-hmm. Klaus, um, the fish, the oh, fish, that, really <laughs> Roger. I know he does really? Roger. He's does that. Uh, the voices for Appa and Momo. From Avatar: The Last Airbender, really. Also, D. Bradley Baker. Wow, like that's I like, uh, love D. Bradley Baker so fucking much. That's like the guy who does the voice of Fry and every other character in Futurama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he is such a stand-up fucking guy, by the way. Yeah. Like just offshoot tangent. They're making a new Futurama, mm-hmm. and uh, when they came back, they were like, uh, "Do you want to come back?" And he was like, uh, "Yes." And then. He something happened with the pay, and he's like, "I'm not joining unless everyone gets more money." Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. did that too in the Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. He didn't like that. Uh, Natalie Portman, I no. think so. Yeah. Uh, no, um, no, that was Thor. Yeah. Jesus oh Christ. fuck, Black Widow, right? Uh, yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Jesus Christ. Scar Joe. Too many fucking names. Um. Mm. <laughs> Scarlett yeah, Joe hands like that she and Bob. a couple of the like lower end Avengers were getting, I think like a factor of three less than him was like, I'm not coming back for infinity war unless every, everybody gets paid the same. Yeah. yeah. And good on him too. And then Disney was like, well, I don't know if we have enough money to do that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was okay. like, uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The house yeah. of mouse has money. <laughs> the house of mouse is money. It's the mansion of mouse, not the house of mouse. <laughs> Mickey the sits Mick- on a throne of gold bars. Yeah, the Mick Mansion. <laughs> yeah, really. So, wow. yeah, but uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, he did that for Futurama. So now it's coming back, and everyone's getting paid more. Also, the voice of the Red Eminem. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he does so many fucking voices. Didn't John DiMaggio was the holdout, right? Bender. Yeah. He, yeah. He was the one that was holding out, and then finally they released that he joined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. He's like, sure, you could have Futurama, but you're going to have to replace Bender's voice. And then everyone online was like, the fuck? Yeah, we won't watch it. <laughs> we just won't watch it. Um, I feel like it's a pretty good jumping off point. We've been at this for uh, do a flip for a little bit longer. Um, but uh, thank you all so much for hanging out with us here on Tabletop Trio. Um, you know, as always, you can check us out here on Twitch. If you're watching us live, thank you. Make sure you hit the follow button. Uh, if you're a podcast listener, check us out live twitch.tv slash tabletop trio. Pretty please. Um, we're also on everywhere you find podcasts. Got a link tree. Mm-hmm. Got the link tree and all that kind of stuff. So we're on, uh, Google player.fm tune in radio, um, tabletop trio.podbean.com. All the social medias, you'll find us everywhere, anywhere. And, even other places you don't want to see us, we'll be there. We're in your raccoon wounds. Damn right. Uh, so <laughs> for one final time, I'm Bob. I'm Joe. I'm Bronson. This has been Tabletop Trio. Have a great night.